Ebony Joy, and this is Cooperative Journal, where I spotlight the stories of how people are collectivizing to meet their needs locally and globally beyond the extractive economic system. Tariq El Nahil translates from Arabic to Way of the Bees. They are an herbal collective based in Lebanon that formed after the explosion in the capital of Beirut in 2020. Lebanon has been through so much in the past 50 years, from a civil war to financial crisis, and most recently, the explosion that left 300,000 people homeless and a government collapsed. When faced with trauma, broken infrastructure, and governmental systems that fail to meet our needs, how do we heal and progress? Tariq El Nahil is answering this question through fully embodying and bringing people back to their essence, Mother Earth. In this episode, I speak with Paul Saad, one of the members of the collective. He poetically shares how they are utilizing land-based practices for reclaiming, highlighting, and accessing ancestral knowledge. They do this through creating native botanical gardens, delivering handmade baskets filled with herbal medicine from the land, free herbal medicine toolkits, and he shares how they're raising money internationally to fulfill all of these needs. At the end, he gives some suggestions for finding light and grounding amidst darkness. Hello, Paul. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. Honored to be here. Yes, I'm so honored to have been connected with you through a very synchronistic connection I had with Travis. Shout out to Travis in Oakland. Who Shout out, Travis. <laughs> who took an ancestral journey to Lebanon recently and came back with connections with people that are trying to rebuild the country like you and the collective you're working with called Tariq El Nahel. So can you explain what the collective is and um, share the horrific incident that happened to spark its creation? For sure. Um, yeah, like the story you just shared about Travis, um, you know, taking uh, an ancestral uh, reclamation journey to Lebanon. Um, I think that's how many of us in the group actually started our journeys. You know, many of us are not, have not spent our entire lives in Lebanon. Many of us, it has been a sort of returning and I think this is a very interesting point in uh, how our project developed. So to give you a bit of background, um, Tadi and Nahal uh, in English translates to the way of the bees. And um, we decided to give it this name um, because um, once we started gathering together and uh, thinking together about you know, as earth workers and people who have a yearning to know our land and everything that is born of it more deeply. 
we have to return to really uh, the very roots um, of who do so in nature. And the bees are the keepers of balance. Um, they work as a hive. They do anything for the survival of the hive. And they flourish on the diversity of beauty that grows around them. So this was really our inspiration in uh, creating this collective uh, in Lebanon as a vessel to uh, reclaim our land-based knowledge. Um, everything from the seed to the plants to and the harvesting and uh, the ways of processing and the arts, the poetics that come out of them, the music, the dance, and how they're all wrapped together through community. Um, so I mentioned that, yeah, the, the group is made up of, um, you know, a few of us who have just had very diverse experiences getting to this point and to the desire to collectivize in this way. Um, and the trigger for us to really, you know, commune um, around this project was the explosion that happened in Beirut in August of 2019, of 2020, sorry. Um, and, you know, it's an incident that's a bit um, unfathomable to think about, you know, that it happened, especially in the context of what Lebanon's already gone through. Um, in terms of revolution and economic crisis and, uh, you know, something that I feel is still, you cannot experience unless you're really there, you know, because it's, it's almost a sort of confusion. It's this culture that is still so deeply rooted in its culture, in its traditional culture and its language and its openness to community. But then there's also this horrendous fear that has been imposed because of the situation um so yeah when the explosion happened we decided that you know this was just got to a point where there was just too much pain being experienced and um just between us friends and family we we identified that you know a trauma of this magnitude um has to be dealt with in every single um, avenue that we can. In, there are many organizations on the ground in Beirut working on, you know, um, very intense disaster recovery, material sourcing, um, you know, on the ground medical health um, support. Um, and we decided to really do what we could to bring the avenue of um, of the plants and the native diversity that exists around us for a reason. Um, you know, just the act of, um, of feeling that we are a part of a living, breathing environment, uh, just the thought can make us feel more settled in our bodies. But then you go even a bit more deeply and you you interact with those elements and you, um, whether it's by putting your feet in a bath of uh, hot salt water that you, that was harvested from the sea uh, where generations of families lived off the harvesting of salt 
to collecting clays from the sides of rivers and covering your body in it to soak up the just tension under your skin. Or if it's um, more intense ways of, um, of taking the chemical compounds of herbs through tinctures and vinegars and so forth. Um, there are avenues, you know, we can invite comfort back into our body in the midst of trauma. So this was what we collectively decided that we wanted to um, offer to people during this time. And uh, from there, uh, it grew into, um, you know, step by step, according to what the times were asking for and what we had the capacity to provide, we, we did our best to answer to. Wow, so beautiful. So, so much beauty that came out of something that's really traumatic and the after effects are still happening. And I want to know a little bit more about even the history of Lebanon in the past 50 years, because this is just like compounded trauma. Um, like you mentioned, the revolution, so there was a civil war, there was the financial crisis in 2019, and then the explosion, which was an incredible magnitude. It left 300,000 people homeless and thousands of people injured. It really sounds so dystopian, um, yet you guys are finding something that is bringing people grounding. Um, so yeah, I just want you to know, speak a little bit about the history and how that left Lebanon um, economically. For sure. Um, yeah, w when the civil war started in the 70s, um, it's, you know, there's a big parallel of what's happening now. And to me, it's the most, uh, you know, as much as um, we talk about the physical manifestations that are happening in Lebanon with the economy, and the explosion and all the above. It's basically a mass exodus that's happening. And this is what happened during the civil war. And this is why the majority of Lebanese people live outside of the country, you know, spread all over the world. And it's because it gets to a point where, um, you know, just making a living is near impossible to most people in Lebanon. Um, for example, now, um, I'm sure most people, you know, follow the news with this, but the, you know, the, the currency is inflated from 1,500 liras per dollar to now almost 29,000 in the, in the time of a year and a half. And, um, and this is what happened as a response to a, a very energetic and um, beautifully, um, you know, inspired and passionate uh, revolution that happened from October of 2019 that, that lingers until now. And so when we, yeah, when we think about um, what that means, it means the loss of stories, it means the loss of uh, knowledge, it means the dispersion of community. And um, these are really all the base 
um, components that create a contiguous culture, you know, that hold us when things are hard and that align us when we want to rebuild. And so, you know, as much as uh, physical aid is needed in Lebanon, we also have to start telling a new story. We have to start, um, you know, telling a story that can move us beyond the last 50 years of, you know, confusion. And, um, and this is where I think is I'm most excited about our discoveries so far during this project is it involves the person who has never lived in Lebanon before and goes on a visit to the person, the elder in the village who's lived there their whole life. You know, when the idea of indigenous knowledge becomes kind of vague, because even before these 50 years, Lebanon and the Middle East is a land of many uh, hundreds and thousands of years of imperialism and so forth. <laughs> so it's, um, it's something that's ever evolving, you know, and how can we find a way to get everyone involved in rewriting? from preserving the knowledge of old to inviting the the experience of new of now and so we're trying to really incorporate that into everything we do one of the dimensions of our projects is we started uh, creating botanical gardens in we started we're doing our first one now and hopefully more in the future but the goal is to have one in each region where we um, represent the native flora of that specific region. And that begins all the way from collecting the seeds from nature throughout the year, going every two weeks into the valley and collecting the seeds that the flowers are giving, to um, sprouting them and putting them in um, a community space where people can have the chance to really interact with them. Um, and our goal is to, as much as we can, recreate these ecosystems um, that we find in our nature in these communal spaces um, and solely as an avenue for people to have the chance to interact with these plants in a different way than they're used to on a daily basis. So this gives us the opportunity for an elder in the village to come and tell us the stories of every single leaf and flower of how they used to be used in the past. And, the, you know, during this phase of the flower, they would make this from it and take dyes from it and that. And, and we scribble them down and record them and try to, you know, preserve them in a way that uh, can be of most integrity. Um, but then we started, we had an idea of also leaving empty books there for whoever came and had an interaction with this plant to tell their experience because this is how it started from the beginning you know mm -hmm. you know it didn't come with a written book and so even though um it's not really you know physically on the ground changing the situation in lebanon and um, for people who can't afford to buy groceries it's starting to you know, rewrite um, the story of um, imagining what can come in the future, what rebuilding can be. And uh, it's exciting and inspiring.
It really is. I love the idea of creating these community botanical gardens to hopefully eventually it can help people on the ground that need food, that they can start growing their own food, reconnecting to the indigenous edibles beyond just plant medicine too. Um, And creating these ecosystems of relationships as well is what you're doing in these community spaces. Because I know the one that you're currently working with is also, um, it's ran by an art organization. So people are getting receiving healing through art. They're also experiencing the diversity of their community by having elders come and talk about the plants, having young people come with their curiosity and fascination and their own expertise in a more modern sense. Um, I think that's all so beautiful. And I want to learn more about the collective and how you all connected with each other. You had a quote that you shared with me um, from one of your friends who's engaged in mutual aid disaster relief, that to find one another is to become dangerous. And that's meaning to the status quo. And essentially, that's what you guys are doing. You guys are creating a shift of power from the government to the people. Yeah, each in in our small small circles, as we start to gather more and more together, that's that's what we that's what is happening. You know, not what we hope just from the beginning of the revolution to now, even though it's shifted a bit from what it was when it first started, there are so many, uh, there are so many seeds that were planted and uh, com- communities that have formed uh, from the work of people on the ground um, a year and a half ago or two years ago. And so, yeah, this, this might be a good time. I'll tell you a bit about how I got here and it's, translates very um, quickly into how we found one another is so I spent most of my life or almost all my life uh, not in Lebanon and um, and I decided to come back you know almost exactly in the beginning of the revolution uh, I was in the U.S. studying and working before um, and it was very inspired by um the Standing Rock resistance. Um, I was spending time in the in in Houston, and uh, when um, the resistance began at Standing Rock, I uh, began in becoming engaged with people in my university because many of the companies are based in Houston who are supporting the pipeline, and um, eventually turned into a big divestment campaign for the university and surrounding uh, organizations and eventually we were uh, we had the honor to receive two people from two indigenous people from the reservation to come to a panel that we held in Houston and they talked of um, what it is they are resisting and fighting for and what story they are telling in terms of the biggest um, you know, gathering of indigenous peoples in a long, long time. Uh, And it is to um, share the message that, um, that 
they are not disconnected from the land and all the concepts that we uh, use in our society of religious freedoms and freedom of speech and all the above relate to their rivers as much as to their brothers and I don't think they differentiate much one from the other um, and it's this was just a, a huge inspiration for me um, and automatically made me feel a longing to be back in my uh, my homeland that was going through um, you know, I was always almost forbidden to come back when I was young because of, it was always unstable and always. But then I started to think that maybe there's a hidden story that I'm not hearing about my homeland and I needed to discover it for myself. So I came and um, it was just a mission of, of finding the people that like to have their hands in the soil. Who were they and what did they know and what could they share? And... and um, in a year of doing that, I met more people than I can um, explain. And it was a bit surprising to me because of the picture that is painted about what is Lebanon these days. But the work with the land persists. There are always people who, no matter what is happening, who will tend to the land and who will continue to tell the stories as long as they live. And um and the group that we ended up forming together um was made up of people like me who had the call to come back at a certain point in their lives people who have lived here their whole life people who are abroad in the diaspora community and even um you know going back to people who i met um who were supporting at standing rock and became really a just a, something that I feel tells a big story about what um, what our globalized resistance is now as indigenous communities to our native lands, is that it's becoming that we all need one another as much as we need to, you know, care for our own. Mm. And um, so, yeah, our our group is beautiful. <laughs> I love them all. And uh, we're about six of us who are working um, pretty consistently full-time on the project now, with lots of collaborators around the country and a few abroad. Um, yeah. Um, it's, a, it's really um, a blessing to have this group because, you know, in... In Lebanon, I, I would say one of the, the biggest uh, pains that the country is still going through is um, a lack of trust. Um, and that's embodied very uh, viscerally in between different factions, as Lebanon is famous for its, its division in that sense. But it also manifests in um, a kind of individuality when it comes to work when it comes to even collective work. Um, I, there are so many different um, individual projects I can identify in Lebanon that are, in, are doing this work, you know. But when it comes to um, really 
um, making something contiguous that goes beyond just uh, what one of our hands are doing. Um, it's been tough. It's been tough to convince people that we are really on the same side and we're working towards the same thing. And um, and this is really what the, you know, the other quote that my friend said that I shared with you is that we work at the speed of trust. And, you know, if it has to be slow at some point, then it has to be slow until we're able to find that trust between one another. And I feel that's really what's been, uh, what's been picking up lately, which is very inspiring and exciting. Um, and I would say that the, the gardens, the botanical gardens have been uh, a beautiful environment to cultivate this. Um, working in the soil, you know, hand by hand. And um, it's indescribable how it can put people together you know, mm. and beyond any discussions or meetings or, uh, and all those come after, you know, <laughs> and they ev eventually happen. Um, but yeah, it all starts from the seed. It does. Because when we are tending to the earth, then there's like, there's this common ground because we all come from that. Um, whether we've been disconnected from it for generations, at some point in all of our lineages, we've been connected to the earth. And I also think that building that sense of trust between people starts with just like axing what their needs are and providing that for them, getting their basic needs met and realizing that through relationships that can happen and um especially since in lebanon right now there's really just so much uh volatility the man-made infrastructure is has been destroyed a lot of it has the material wealth and even the government right now you guys currently don't have a government and so the collective seems to be really rooted in this share of value of reconnecting people back to the land and those interpersonal relationships that i mentioned as well so how are some For ways sure. that you're reminding people of their collective power and the earth's abundance as a source of healing beyond the botanical gardens for sure. Um, so you, yeah, you mentioned that the the space in which we created our garden is um, it is a, a very old home. It's um, in a village in the Shuf region in the mountains where I live. Um, and after moving there, I had met a man who um, runs a, an NGO uh, bringing the theatrical arts back to this region that used to be very renowned for uh, the arts, but now, um, you know, most of the artistic scene has been centered in the cities, uh, especially for the youth. And so he decided to take this space and make it as their, basically a communal center for the arts, uh, focused mostly on the children of the village. And 
and you know, upon meeting one another and deciding that we were going to take the garden there, the name of the space is Beit Sarmada, which in English translates to Eternity House. Mm. Um, we had a, a beautiful, it wasn't even like a thought we had really before that we wanted to have this sort of collaboration, but it just made so much sense when it happened that when you, you know, just create a communal space in and of itself and provide um, a space free of, um, free of the necessity to be a certain way, you know, uh, for everyone in the village. Uh, people started coming. We started doing very basic things, going on hikes and talking about some of the plants while we're walking, doing movement exercises outside. And then in, in a few months, we had over 700 people that came during a time where it was impossible to find gasoline in the car. And but it was something so simple, but so uh, needed during this time, you know, in connection uh, with each other and with the land in a place in a way that's so informal and so just natural eating together after all together in the communal space someone with a you know wood-fired oven making bread and putting cheese and zaatar mm -hmm. and things um, and so you know that's been one of the one of the most beautiful things we've experienced is just um you know creating a very organic experience um for people to be as they are um, is very important at the moment. Um, other things we've been we've been doing, um, you know, kind of addressing other elements of the project that I've described to you. Um, so after the explosion happened, the action that we determined we wanted to do on the ground was to create these support baskets made from um you know different products made from the native herbs around us and it was um a slow process but intentionally so and it was an experiment to really um you know as we talked about try to gather all these you know individual um groups and communities around the country that do beautiful work into kind of a finished product that we can offer to someone. And more than, you know, the medicine that's actually contained in this basket, it's, it's the story, it's the poetics, it's the feeling of the hands on each thing that have been put in it. It's this, it's this prayer of care, you know, that's given to the person who's receiving it, but it's also to everyone. It's to the land too. It's, you know, immersing ourselves in creating luxurious things from this land. And and luxury in the way that I love the word, because everything that takes time and takes uh, love is luxurious. And I feel everyone deserves luxury in this way. Yeah. Um, so in the baskets, for example, we were targeting it to be products that really returned us into our bodies which is, you know, one of the most important things to do after intense trauma. So different products from um, pillows filled with hemp seeds that are known to, you know, reduce tension in the 
muscles that you can put around your neck and each one hand embroidered by um, a group of women in the refugee camp, the Palestinian refugee camp in Beirut to um, different salt mixes uh, with, uh, you know, all different herbs that when you, you know, when you put it in your house, your whole house begins to smell like it. Roses and cloves and mm. hawthorn berries and you just, it just immerses you, you know. And then uh, tea blends and uh, one of my favorite medicines is a, a vinegar infusion that we make. Uh, it's something that's um, kind of universal around cultures or around the world. Um, and it's a tradition of each season taking uh, 21 herbs from from what's going around and putting them in apple cider vinegar and burying them under the earth and leaving it from one beginning of one season to the beginning of the next or from one equinox to solstice. And then you take it out and you strain it. And that's basically what you'll take every morning on an empty stomach. And then at that same time, you'll put the herbs from that season and leave it till the next season. And the whole point of it is to introduce, you know, the life force of the nature around you into your body, into your gut, since vinegar works on preserving the bacteria. Um, and yeah, many more things, but um, uh, yeah, it was a, a beautiful experience and, and especially delivering these baskets to people was a very special experience. Um, we did most of them on a one-to-one -one basis, you know, hearing from friends and friends of friends of someone who might benefit from it. And we'd go and spend some time with them and talk them through all the medicines in the basket and hear their stories and share our stories. And, and you know, two hours would have gone by and just, I don't know, <laughs> just experiencing just stories from someone who's had trauma that you can't even imagine, just open up and immerse in beauty together. Mm. Yeah, it was wow. a, a very special experience. Yeah, the baskets, are, it's probably my favorite thing about the project because that also, it's a clear distinction between charity and service too because you guys aren't just like dropping off these baskets or having people come and pick them up you're again building that trust between people and and really a level of care to the point where you're like creating a level playing field you're just like listening and sharing your own experience and just having a real human-centered connection with the people that you deliver this to. And there's so much embodiment and intentionality that was put into literally every part of the basket. They were hand-woven with papyrus. Even the stamps that the letters were stamped with were like wood-carved the paper was handmade. They were all handwritten. It's like so much love went into every single aspect of it. Even the bath salts, 
the salt was harvested from a local salt basin and it really and it looks like luxury it is luxury like what you said some people would pay a lot of money for this and it also shows like the diversity of skill set that is in Lebanon and how even when it seems like material wealth has seemingly like disintegrated that there's still so much richness in the earth that you can create everything you need from it it really allows people to get out of this like disillusion of being in such a mechanical environment and like we need to rely on this um, higher government power in order to sustain ourselves. But it, when all of that is gone, it connects you back to source, to the source of yourself, to your, the source of your relationships, interpersonal relationships and your relationship with the earth. And I feel like those baskets encompass all of that. Yeah, it was uh, it was a journey that saw many hands, and uh, and that um, yeah saw a level of engagement from people from every corner of the country, you know. Um, so, to me, this experience, um, and there's the documentary about it that um, I'm sure I think you saw but it's available on YouTube and on our Instagram. Yeah, I'll definitely um, put that in the show notes. It's, it's such a beautiful video. <laughs> so, yeah, so beautiful. But yeah, the whole the whole point of why we made the video in general was was exactly what you said. You know, it's to... Um, and what we say in the video is that um, sometimes there are doors that open for us to really see how blessed our land is and blessed and, our, and abundant it is. So, you know, seeing things that are directly in front of us and seeing them as something completely new. Mm. And yeah, that's why doing in the baskets, we, every single aspect of it is, you know, not only handmade, but it's made by people who are rewriting these stories, who are reviving old stories. Um, my friends Studio Kunuku, who make the the wooden stamps, hand carved on fabric printing, and it's an old Syrian tradition of fabric printing, and they just have the most beautiful dance between the traditional and the new, preserving the heritage of the old designs and looking for them and going to the roots and bringing them and creating something completely new completely just incredible and I love that I love like this you know there's there's never just a returning to the old there's always a co-creation of the new now and I think this basket was you know just a showcase of it in some way um are you all also documenting these traditional practices you did it in video but are you also doing it in written form yeah so uh the the botanical gardens and 
community spaces um, are going to serve basically as bases for a workshop series that we're creating. And um, the intention of it is to basically go through the season and whenever something comes up, you know, whenever we hear about something or find someone who's doing something with, um, with the materials that are being harvested from the land during that moment, uh, we invite them to do some sort of uh, workshop and uh, we're producing them and offering them online for free as an online series as, um, you know, at least the first way where we're going to start archiving all this material. Um, and yeah, this will cover all types of things all over the spectrum. And um, yeah, we have many dreams for what we we think it can become in the future. Um, uh, LaDonna um, Bullard at Standing Rock, I spent some time with her before I came to Lebanon, actually a few days before I got to Lebanon. And I asked her for any advice um, coming to Lebanon and embarking on this work. And she said to always start with the children. And um, Automatically, my brain goes to creating uh, children's books with them and uh, preserving this knowledge, going into um, like after school programs in the gardens, because um, as we talked about, the gardens are not only the plants, but they're a dance between the plants, the traditional arts, the performance arts and everything else that just um, spontaneously occurs in communal spaces. Mm -hmm. And uh, so there are many, yeah, there are many avenues we can go and only time will tell. <laughs> but uh, now we're still really focusing on the, the foundations. So really uh, completing the gardens and uh, finding different regions to put gardens and um, all, all of them partnered with community spaces to create this same sort of synergy. Um, one other thing we're doing is for each garden, we're creating a documentary. And these will be more extended, you know, 30 to 40 minute documentaries that go through um, all the plants that we collect, seeing them in nature, seeing them in seeds, seeing them in flowers, seeing them going into the garden. Uh, and then seeing um, people's faces tell their stories about them. Um, and then also going to the traditional arts of the area um, and uh, its culture. And what this will serve as in the end is really like a, a land guide for this region. You know, say you were coming to visit uh, the region we're in and the Shouf. This would basically make your eyes and ears and um, insides familiar with what you're about to come to you know yeah. from um i don't know i uh, again all these things <laughs> that we're doing or i feel each of us it, it comes from a personal desire of what we want to learn as well you know all these things are not really available on a very easy access uh, format and and many people I meet who come to Lebanon who have this desire to learn about this, uh, these things, basically start from scratch and look up, you know, articles on the internet and start asking people. And 
and it becomes just a very individual journey for each person and starting from a very you know basic level mm-hmm. and so the hope is to give a bit of a foundation of like okay this is where we are these are all the experts around you who can take you a bit further uh, if you want it's a, a basic thing of making a compost you know a good compost most people who want to make one here will look up a video of someone in England or someone in the US or you know about how to make a good compost but do we speak the same language do we have the same materials mm. do we you know is it familiar enough for me to learn a new skill by doing that for some people yeah but most people know um so yeah it's it's only i guess what uh, we're really trying to flow with it and see what comes our way and try to respond as well as we can. Oh, I love all of that so much <laughs> cuz you're you are you're rewriting an old story and you're archiving it and you're taking these traditional stories and um adapting it to a modern context and it's really allowing people to see the beauty of Lebanon too, because like you said, people told you you shouldn't go to Lebanon. There's so much turmoil and it's really allowing people to see the true diversity of, uh, of people in Lebanon. And, um, and I also know that you guys were doing story banking with elders to um to collect their knowledge as well so it'd be beautiful to have them in the gardens with the youth sharing and exchanging with each other because i feel like in both of those stages of life you're deep you have a deeper connection to source and um i know that you guys also had created herbal support guidebooks and you printed and distributed 500 copies of that so that's another way that you're um, creating something in tangible form so people can come to and have this as a resource can you speak a bit about the collaboration with swana who they are and what are in these guidebooks yeah and this was also one of the the first actions that we did after the explosion just to um create another thing that could be used right away for people who are seeking this type of support since the you know the baskets were not able to um reach a, a big number of people um these guides were able to distribute more and and they basically you know, well, almost like a guide of making your own basket. <laughs> and so it talks about many um, different f- um, ways we can interact with the native herbs. And it goes through um, many of the most common native herbs that we have and their different properties and what you can use them for, what to be careful for, um, traditional mixes used for different things. And, you know, all the way from, you know, many different forms of using the plants, but also of 
and asking support from the native landscape, forest bathing, that's, you know, in our cedar trees, it's a very unique experience that, I can, you know, I think can only be told if you do it and see it. <laughs> mm. um, and interacting with the sea and the salts and the different elements of our land. So it was a beautiful, well-rounded book. Um, the majority of the physical work on it was done by Swana Ancestral Hub, who, when we first uh, collectivized, were very active with us in um, our first actions. Um, Swana Ancestral Hub, Swana stands for Southwest Asia, North Africa. Um, they determined it's the less colonial way of referring to the Middle East. And so they, um, as their name describes, an ancestral hub for people in the entire region, diaspora and people living in the countries themselves to share knowledge, experiences, um, people give classes to each other, group discussions, and anything you can really imagine that has to do with land-based culture in our region. And uh, yeah, me and Leila Ferrali, who started it, became very close when we first met after the explosion. And uh, basically, they had the idea of, of making these guides. And we supported as much as we could from here, just in terms of you know, giving ideas and so forth. And they took the bulk of the work and it was beautifully done. And um, I'm so very grateful for them. Um, yeah, whenever they finished it, they uh, we were able to raise a bit of money to get them printed and distributed to different community centers around Lebanon. And until now, they're still asking me for more of them. Everyone loved them. And so we're going to try to get some more money to print some but uh, yeah I still even I still keep it um, by my kitchen all the time it's just a, a beautiful thing to have like you know you can just flip open a page and be like this is how I want to care for myself today <laughs> yes. yes they were so well done and compact but really touches on so many different aspects of healing with the earth and I'll also put a link to it in the show notes because there is a PDF version that's available for people yeah, to is. download. Um, yeah, in English and in Arabic. Yes, I also love that in the guidebook, there were certain names of native plants that were only in the traditional language. Um, so it's really making it accessible to the people of Lebanon. And also something that I wanted to mention before when you were talking about um, documenting the botanical gardens and having a resource people to connect to land-based practices specifically with Lebanese people in Lebanon. Um, you also are connected with people doing a bunch of different earth-based practices like earth building and uh cultivating medicinal mushrooms, using materials with my, uh, creating industrial materials with mycelium and sustainable clothing, fabric dyeing, like so many different aspects of recreating what 
Lebanon used to be, essentially, and reminding people of that. So I think that also having all those practitioners and um, ways to connect with them will be so essential as people are looking for alternative ways of living. Or not alternative, but um, traditional ways of living. Yeah, more integral ways, I would say. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, it's, uh, you know, one of our our dreams as well is that um, also recognizing our capacity of how much we could do as a small group of people working consistently on this work, but also recognizing all the, you know, other work beautifully being done around us. And um, yeah, one thing I will say is that um, without outside funding, it is, you know, quite impossible to, um, for individuals to really um, do this type of work. You know, a dear friend of mine who cultivates mushrooms in his garage uh since several years um it's just with a currency that is so inflated you know and there's not really a market you can rely on to make money and bring it back and invest in something that is priced in dollars you know if you an air conditioner or humidifier or whatever that could be someone a month's uh, salary for someone you know based on the inflation of the materials so, um, you know, outside funding is extremely necessary and important. And so, you know, we were thinking that the more we collectivize around this type of work, the easier it will be for us to also raise money for kind of ancillary projects um, for individuals who are already doing this work to get a bit of support to continue doing their work to deepen and to eventually include more people and you know start proliferating work that is extremely necessary in um in returning to a more sustainable way of being um and yeah in the very near future we're going to be uh you know going out and seeking for more of this funding and it's going to be from several different sources but um, all these projects will be very clearly described and defined, and um, yeah, we're very excited for this next step. I think just the idea of you know um, giving like a just even a small amount of money to these people and just seeing like all the work they've done on nothing, you know, on on just their own ingenuity and giving them a bit of resources to go fully into it, it's just going to change everything. It's going to take it to a whole new magnitude. So, um, yeah. And again, this might take some time because as we talked about before, the idea of being under a common umbrella is still something we, you know, I think people are growing into in Lebanon of um, being at that level of trust that level of collaboration um and um you know that's that's also why like the videos 
the, like the little documentary we made and um, things we'll continue to do in the future of really like showing the hands of these people and their faces and identifying them and celebrating them, you know, is essential. It's essential for for everyone to be seen who is doing this mm. and, and to take more ownership of you know this project in which only the hive matters at the end which is this collective growing of knowledge um mm. yeah yes Inshallah. the hive the hive is essentially what you guys are building with the collective and what you want to expand to through collaborating with all of these other people that are rooted in earth-based work and also shifting people's perspective of what they can make money from doing while in Lebanon. Like they can tend to the earth and collaborate with one, eno- one another to create this web that can allow for so much more resilience in times of crisis. Um, And I know that you guys have been financed through crowdfunding, but now you're, you want to expand into an NGO. Um, But right now, if people want to donate, they can still donate through the crowdfunding platform. So very soon, we're going to open another crowdfund. And um, through this one, um, yeah, anyone who would uh, like to participate would be so, so grateful. And um, many of the things we've talked about together today will be very clearly um, delineated and showing, you know, timelines of what we're going to be doing over the next year and so forth. yeah, but uh, registering as an NGO is quite essential for receiving um, bigger sums of funds that we're applying to writing grants to. And so that's how we're going to structure it in the, in the near future. We actually just, uh, in collaboration with uh, uh, the NGO we're working with at the communal space, Beit Sarmada, we just won uh, our first grant, which was exciting. Uh, and it's to bring traditional artists into the garden and uh, someone who does stone sculpting, someone who makes things out of clay, someone who makes soundscapes out of wood and someone who weaves, someone who makes mosaics and making it part integral with the garden. And, you know, even something like that is um, it's, uh, you know, getting funds from outside is just giving the ability for these artists to you know, collaborate on this very warm, cozy project, but also get paid what they deserve to be paid, you know, to do this work. Mm-hmm. You know, we've all been working on near nothing, you know, to, uh, to do this work. So it's getting to, I think it's very important to start, you know, giving this sort of work the value that it deserves. Um, Mm -hmm. I think this is also one thing we identified is that this sort of work is kind of associated in the end sometimes with volunteering and, you know, charitable work and so forth. But, you know, at a certain point, it has to be 
um, it has to be our livelihoods if we want it mm-hmm. to really proliferate into what we're imagining it to be. And so I think this was an important distinction we made and goal we made for ourselves. Um, yeah, so we'll see in the, in the near future. Wow, you guys are really creating a full body sensorial experience. And yeah, I struggle with that too. A lot of the work that I do, people expect for you to get paid very little or nothing. And it's like, but those are generally the people that are on the ground doing direct support and, um, are creating like tangible shifts when you can't rely on the government. Like, it's really a shame that larger nonprofits get money, get most of the money, but you can't really trace where that money is going to and see the direct impact. So I think that there is a revolution towards... um, funding more projects like what you're doing and congratulations on the grant i know that it's just going to be more of a flow of income coming your way because you guys are doing such such incredible work um and i will link to the crowdfunding in the show notes as well so people can support you should i wait till the new one yeah, I'll, I'll send it to you very soon. It's going to need maybe a couple weeks and it will be released. Okay, perfect. Um, and also, do you know of any examples of other mutual aid projects that have stemmed in the past couple of years in Lebanon that you feel deeply resonant with? Yeah, there, there are lots. There's um, uh, <laughs> there's um, a dear friend of mine, um, Saad, her name is. She started um, um, a um, a collective to start uh, planting rooftops in Beirut, uh, in the city. This was during the the heat of the revolution, and it's turned into something beautiful now, engaging um, kids in permaculture and organic agriculture. Um, and she's been also one that's worked very hard in creating these ties between uh, different people, um, offering different aspects of the solution in Lebanon. Uh, her group is called Kon Agri Movement, K O N. Um, there's been a group in, um, in Beirut who started taking, um, abandoned lands, um, in the urban landscape and turning them into native forests as a way to, uh, repurpose, <laughs> you know, uh, disused space, which in Lebanon very quickly turns into a garbage pit uh, mm-hmm. very, very quickly. Um, and doing them in, in very symbolic places um, where there used to be rivers flowing, where there used to be, um, you know. Um, there are 
else comes to mind. Yeah, there, there's just a huge influx of people who have returned to their lands and who have started to um, get creative with what they wanted to do with this land. And many of it just has turned into, you know, small collections of people, families or friends getting their land and getting creative. And it's a beautiful place to start for everyone. Um, so this like influx into you know, learning about the herbs and um, growing your uh, food and preserving your food and, um, you know, playing around just with what grows, you know, making mm -hmm. wild wines and making vinegars and um, making wild jams and there's just, it's huge movement towards uh, that way of interacting with the land, which is really gorgeous. Um, yeah, and there's, I mean, there's one thing that I still wanted to mention is that, um, you know, at the same time of all these, like, all that I've told you about that we're doing and, and other people around the country, it is still like the there are certain topics that are you know still need a lot of work in the country like having to do with food security they they did this statistic that i saw that they said that if we if we were to close the borders of our countries around the world they did a study how long that we would be able to survive on our land of what we're producing and in Lebanon, they say, said it would be three days. Wow. <laughs> three wow. days. And this is because, like, yeah, even though there's a returning, it it needs to be, like, it needs to be more cohesive, I feel. Mm. And so, um, yeah, there's lots of work to be done in that sense. There's a lot of many plants that are uh, going endangered. And in the documentary, our botanist Hisham, he talks about, you know, the fragility uh, of our landscape um, and the same as much as it is diverse and beautiful and abundant and rich. And so, you know, the end goal for many of these projects need to be a cohesion so that we can get to a point as well where we can start growing the grains we need and start um, start creating natural reserves around the country and maybe having enough of a international um, community that we can you know raise awareness about just ridiculous infrastructures projects that are being built and, and this is you know it's just it's a process after all that's been happening but you know this is also one of the big reasons that creating this sort of umbrella um, and we can't do everything but as much as we can become you know have our core strong and create this wide umbrella the more we can really create systemic change. And this is really my wish for everyone doing work in Lebanon is to find cohesion and to, mm -hmm. as much as we can, to find each other is to become dangerous, to 
to you know these issues that we've been facing for so long and yeah it's my wish <laughs> i just got so dreamy listening to you i just started to imagine how it would look like if all of the earth-based practitioners you're connected with had a piece of land where they could cultivate the things that they're growing build the structures um build earth-based structures so that people can see this land as a model and also of course growing food and maybe it can even turn into a cooperative land-based project where you have all of these different elements in one space and this is almost this is essentially what people are doing with like ecotourism and having international yeah. people come and tend to the land and eventually Lebanon will be a place that people seek after to learn about these practices and so yeah i hope that there it does evolve into being one big piece of land where people can come and commune and experiment and make a living. Yeah. There's a, m one guy who um, we work with, his name is Wat, and he works for a group called Soils Permaculture um, Lebanon. They're a permaculture group. Um, and he's an entomologist and and this was after we named the project Tari in Nahal. And he told us that in his, he did his thesis on the wild bees in Lebanon. And he said in their research, they found that Lebanon has the highest diversity of wild bees per capita in the whole world. And I thought like, just thinking about that, just thinking about it, like, what does that say about <laughs> just this incredible abundance we have? Isn't it like so ironic to what's happening? Isn't it like such a just example of this kind of division in the world? You know, this company that in this country that is in so much turmoil and has the biggest diversity of wild bees. It's just it's it ring it rung something in my head. You know. Um, but yeah, may 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 this land continue to be a a path for the bees, you know, to roam freely and to roam happily, and for us to join in with them. Yes. Oh, <laughs> that's such. That's like a beautiful ending. But I also want to know. I don't <laughs> want to end there because I also before we end, I want you to offer some advice to people who feel like they can't find light amidst the darkness of a crisis. And what are some daily reminders that you give yourself of joy and hope? I mean, the bees as a symbolism in itself bring so much joy um, and connecting people to that, to the abundance. That's already what it is. But I'm curious to know what are some of your own um, mantras or practices? Sure. Um, to me, I feel like, um, you know, we're all, each of us are 
many different faces of uh, the elements of our land. You know, we are a part of it. As much as we sometimes are convinced that we are separate, we are a part of it. And as much as, you know, we personally need to convince ourselves sometimes, we need to do it. You know, we need to do it physically to convince ourselves that we are not alone and that there is an ever giving uh, mother around us, even if we're at the you know, top of a you know, skyscraper, you know, we're never separate. And, um, but you know, when we do feel this kind of inkling that, you know, that we're alone and this anxiety that is the sickness of our time, you know, and I would say to get as close to you can as, you know, to the raw elements of this earth. It's like my favorite, favorite, favorite thing for my body is just immersing it in a cold, cold river. And if it's not a cold river, then a cold shower. And then like, um, and then sinking your feet in hot water with, you know, salts, salts that, that pull out all the, just all the, unnecessary toxins from all the way from the top of your body out through your feet, you know, in there. and um, taking clay and making a mask on your face or sinking your feet in clay next to a river. This is one of the first advices I got when they got to Lebanon because I was going through a lot of anxiety when I first got there was to just sink your feet in the clay. Let it, let your mother take everything because that's what mothers do, you know. They take everything from their child. Um, and and then there's also the, you know, this sensorial invitation of the herbs. And, you know, we're, we're going through, in our project, we're going um, primarily through the world of herbs, but it can be done through just about anything, you know. But for me, the herbs are, are easy and are inviting because they just, they smell and just from the smell and the texture and the, you can, and our smell is our most, you know, um, our oldest sense. It's the most familiar, it's the most uh, returning sense. Um, it just, you know right away what this plant can do for your body and right away you can ask what you want back from it so all in all it's a lot a lot of things but it's really just um, yeah getting back in the body with the help of the natural elements of our land um, yeah thank you for that that's also a reminder uh for myself, being in a city where I feel like it's so hard to connect to nature and the elements and to just feel like trapped in these concrete walls. Um, but even to just smell an herb, to ingest it, to feel it, um, which generally we all can have access to. And, yeah. and also just like grounding yourself in your body through movement-based practices if you can't be outside in the dirt or by a river just like still feeling the grounding 
with your floor and like just all of the elements of your body. Um, and you spoke a little bit about this, of you wanting to see people cultivate deeper relationships with each other in Lebanon, but uh, what do you envision the future of Lebanon to be? What is your dream? Yeah, this is maybe the impossible question. Um, because it's, yeah, I'll, I'll just say my dream because being too logical about it is difficult. <laughs> um, but my dream is um, my dream is for um, well I'll say one, one personal thing about this is um, I you know one of the the dreams I had before coming to Lebanon was um, uh, I was starting to learn the oud. The oud is a it's an old string instrument that's from this region, and I had a dream of playing it and my dad dancing to it. And for me, what the, the what that represented is that this like generational schism that much of us have, especially here where you know a war-torn generation and a newer age generation you know complete different ideologies and worries and fears and about life that when it's not grounded in a common culture when we don't speak the same language when we don't you know share the depths of our hearts through the same music and common um, games you know how are we meant to relate with one another it's just <laughs> it's asking the impossible so like my dream is you know in as many ways as we can uh, to try to uh, create avenues for to re-enliven this land-based culture in you know, as many people as possible in, in Lebanon. And um, for us to start speaking uh, this common language with one another again. Uh, and I think from there, many beautiful things will happen. I'm not sure exactly what, and I can't really imagine what, but I feel it's a good starting point. Mm, yes finding common ground in traditional culture and with the earth is what mm. really bridges relationships between people um, across political ideologies and generation. Um, they really root us back to our human selves. And yeah. There's also a really beautiful quote from the handwritten letter that you guys put in the baskets <laughs> that I'll add. Um, it says, in every reflection, may you see your wings 
those that we each carry, and may you remind those who forget that they too are angels. May you remember that all can be transformed, enemy to brother, tension to ease, individual to community by the sweat from your labor of love. And I really hope that everyone in Lebanon and really across the world can feel that, can get that perspective um, and realize their own power and the power of the collective. And y'all are really embodying that. The work you're doing is so, so incredible. And thank you. Thank so you. <laughs> it's a pleasure to, to talk with you and um, to be kind of a part of this uh, collection that you all are doing as well. <laughs> Stories all over the world. I, I had a bit of a journey going through your... <laughs> your podcast the other day and um, yeah, it's an honor to share our story as well from, from over here thank you so much for tuning into this episode I'm on a mission to get these little known solutions out to as many people as possible so please help me by sharing leaving a like and a review if you would like to stay in the loop about future episodes please subscribe to the podcast or my newsletter at cooperativejournal.com.